Glad my mic wasn't on during that song. There was a lot of shout singing uh, that would have been ugly to anybody else but God. Uh, Hopefully you're having a great summer. Uh, Have you taken on any home projects this summer? Maybe added some paint somewhere or little demo job or addition uh, somewhere around the house. I don't know if you've noticed, we're making some changes around this house and uh, some good changes. I I love what's happening in the lobby, Uh, some cool areas, decor things. Randy and Lena uh, Bond have been uh, working hard on that all this week, excited to see some facelift things. Maybe you've gone down the halls and seen in the children's area, remember that little square of the children's area that goes around the classrooms that all of the ugly wallpaper from about, I don't know, 1970 uh, was kind of peeling off. Uh, we are revamping that area. And in fact, that's going to be happening continually this week. We'd love your help on that project if you've got some time. Uh, Pastor Jen is visionarying a, a new uh, look down there. And then upstairs, you're not going to believe what upstairs looks like. We don't want you to go up there quite yet. But it's, uh, we've knocked some walls down, we've taken out this and that, and it's, it's amazing. And so we're excited about what's happening going into the next uh, school year, and uh, we'd love for you to jump on board if you've got some time to help us out, uh, just see one of the pastors, and they'd love to, to help you with that. My, uh, my, a buddy of mine uh, named uh, Rick, he tells a story about a pastor who went to visit a woman in a nursing home. And uh, this woman was uh, suffering with memory loss, a disease that would, would give her that, and uh, just really struggling with that. So he goes to the, the home to visit her, and he finds her at the home, and he pulls up a chair, and he gets almost nose to nose with her and says, do you remember me? Do you remember me? And she says, no, but if you'll go to that desk over there, they'll tell you who you are. <laughs> And you kind of get the feeling that she's probably been to the desk a few times uh, to remember who she, she, she was or what her name was. In the church, uh, it, it seems like there are a lot of things that are happening, obviously, in our world. And it's really easy as we look around at some of the tensions that are happening and some of the things that are going on around the world and terror with terrorism and just strife at every turn, political strife and and discouragement, and just if you look at our culture, it would be really easy to say, well, there's, we've just lost our, our moral compass. And it would be really easy to turn our eyes toward other things and, and maybe forget who we are and who we're called to be as a church and as the people of God. I can't wait. Uh, I'm on kind of a, 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 a date clock. Football season is around the corner. Uh, I don't know if you know that. Has anybody else missed Football. I love baseball, but do you miss football? Yes, I can't wait till the Texans come back. This is our year. We got a quarterback. JJ is going to come back healthy. Uh, it's going to be our, we're going to go. We're going to take it to the Super Bowl in Houston this year. It's going to happen. How many can't wait till for Texas football, UT football? How many of you can't wait for Texas A&M football? Oklahoma football, woo How many of you can't wait for Alabama to win another national championship, baby? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we don't want to talk about Baylor this morning. Um, 
Back in 1970, uh, there was a, a, a terrible, terrible, terrible accident that took place. The University of Marshall, maybe you saw the movie that, that kind of documented what, it, what happened. They were at a football game in East Carolina. On their way back, the plane crashed. 75 members of the, the football team, the coaches, uh, they all perished. And so this movie um, with Matthew McConaughey, I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. He's also from Texas. All right, all right, all right. Uh, that was bad, wasn't it? Uh, he was in the movie, and it really just talked about, you know, it's this, the rebirth of the football team. And they went through a, a moment where they were trying to decide, do we just throw in the towel on the team and just, just, forget, just take out the program? And so they were having this meeting when suddenly there was a gathering of people uh, that took place. So that became a rallying cry. We are Marshall. We are Marshall. A football chant began to bring people out of the despair and the darkness and to remember who they, they were. And so for the next few weeks, what we want to do as a church is remember who we are as God's people. To remember who we are as a church. To remember who we are called to be in this world, no matter what's going on around us. We are called to something far different. And so we're going to be jumping in and trying each week to remember who we are, to maybe get over the maybe amnesia that would possibly set in. So to start us off, we're going to go back a little bit. Jesus, when he was starting his ministry, if you want to turn your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 4. He's starting off his ministry. He has been baptized, to catch you up in the story. He was born, then baptized, then he went to the desert. He was tempted by, by Satan. He came out of the desert, and it said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes to synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, and as tradition would have it in the service, he was handed a scroll, the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, and he found his place in the, in the scroll to Isaiah 61, and you see that in Luke chapter 4. He begins to read this, these words, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And as he's reading this, it's like the first line of a song for the people that were hearing it. Have you heard the first line of a song before and you knew the rest of the song? Maybe for my generation, it would be in West Philadelphia, born and raised, Somebody else finish it? On a playground, been chilling most of my days from the Fresh Prince of Bel- Maybe that's not your generation. You're like, uh, maybe someone older might recognize, let's see, uh, I don't know. Well, shake it up, baby, now. Do you know the rest of that? Shake it up or shake it on? Shake it up, twist and thank you. Uh, what about all the leaves are brown and the skies are gray? I'm not going to try to sing these songs. Or maybe if you're a lot younger, I had to look on, on the Google machine to find uh, this one. I hopped off a plane at LAX with a dream and my cardigan. Anyone? So I see a head bopping in the back over there. Maybe this line will help you. So I put my hands up, playing my song. That would be, who was that? Thank you. All right. So sometimes you hear a line from a song, and then suddenly you know the whole song. That was what was happening here in, in, this, in this passage of Scripture, because when they read the, he read the first line, they knew the rest. And here's the rest. 
He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To, uh, To tell all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. So he reads this. And then he basically drops the mic and says this, today, the scripture, today, this is prophetic uh, scripture, but he's saying, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your presence. And what is he saying? He's saying, I, the Messiah, the one that you've been looking for for all these years, the one that has promised these, these things to come, is here on the scene. The kingdom of God is here, and he announces it in their presence. So what does that mean? Well, and what does this passage mean? Uh, There's a book I love uh, called Love Does by Bob Goff. Maybe you've read it before. He tells a story about a game that uh, maybe you've played. I've played once or twice. It's called Bigger or Better. It's where you send teenagers out, and this is obviously probably not something we could do these days. You send teenagers out with a small thing like a dime, and that's the story uh, in the book. They send them out with a dime, and you go house to house, and you knock on doors, and you say, can I have something bigger or better than what I want to trade with you? So you go with a dime in the story, and he said in the first house, had a dime, and they traded it for a mattress. That's obviously bigger and better. It was maybe an old mattress. And then he goes, they go to the next house with this giant Serta mattress, and they knock on the door. Do you have something bigger or better? better than this mattress. They get a ping pong table uh, from that. And then the ping pong table turns into an elk head. Now, that's where I would have stopped right there, because an elk head sounds just really cool to have in your office. But they take the elk head, and they, after five more trades, it turns into a Dodge truck that they drove away with. Now, I know what you're thinking in your mind right now. They should have held out for a Ford truck. (laughs) Drove away with a Dodge. A dime for eventually a Dodge. What an amazing exchange. What a great trade that's happening here. And what Jesus is talking about in in this passage, in this Isaiah passage, is there's a trade that's happening. And here's some things that we'll just throw on the screen for you. I want to trade your broken heart, your heart that's full of pain and hurt, caused by maybe decisions in life and others' decisions. And I want to trade that for a heart full of peace and comfort. Folks, that seems like a no-brainer to me. I want to trade your, your, your bondage and your imprisonment and the shackles that have been holding you down in your life, the habits and the hurts, and I want to trade that for freedom and forgiveness through my grace. I want to trade your mourning and your grieving It's in your life, and I want to trade it for joy and beauty and blessing. And I want to take your despair. Have you ever seen someone just walking around in despair, like they're going to a funeral all the time? And that's the language he uses, from a funeral to a wedding, from despair to festive praise. That's the kind of trade that God makes in the kingdom of God 
That's what he does. That's what Jesus is talking about. And this isn't just trading. This is transformation. Life transformation, heart transformation, family transformation. And God wants that, and he proclaims that for each one of us. How many of you guys have been watching the Olympics a little bit? A couple. Did you watch the opening ceremonies? Did you watch the 10-hour parade of nations? That it was very long this year, it seemed like. We love that in the Hawkins family. We just are all into the Olympics. We love the competitions. We, love, we got our kids saying, USA, USA, in the swimming. And it's just, what's your favorite Olympic story? There's a lot of good ones. What's your favorite maybe Olympic moment or athlete? We'll go with your favorite Olympic moment. Take a few seconds, share it with your friend beside you. Favorite Olympic moment. All right, I'm going to, while you're pondering, if you can't come up with one, I'm going to give you my, what I think are my kind of top three. Uh, I wasn't there for it, but I've watched enough replays of it. The Miracle on Ice. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. What an amazing, I, I get chill bumps thinking about it. Uh, when that, the gymnast, was it Carrie Shrug, Shrug, she's injured. She goes on the vault and she lands, she sticks the landing, landing and then Bella Caroli uh, picks her up, and we win the goal, the gymnast. What a great moment. Maybe my favorite, though, Derek Redman. Uh, when, and remember the, the British runner that pulls his hamstring, and he's, this is almost, I think, 25, almost 25 years ago now, 24 years ago, and dad comes out with a Nike shirt on, and you cannot watch that video and not just begin to cry. It's just, and there are going to be some moments that throughout this Olympics that you, you get into the stories, you hear about people and you get invested, and then it's not just a race anymore, it's something more than that. There is an, uh, an Olympic uh, athlete that I want you to hear uh, their voice a little bit, their story, and, and maybe you've heard a little bit of that, and I just, maybe you recognize this voice, I just, I'm just going to play a little audio that I heard just this week. You recognize that voice? Michael Phelps. That's 22-time medal winner, 18 gold medal Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, uh, that's a good-looking guy that has like a 12-pack like a going on. Uh, he has fame. He has money. People know who he is. They want to take pictures with him. He has everything by the world standards, and he would record those words. I was a train wreck, a time bomb waiting to go off. No self-esteem, no self-worth. There's times that I didn't want to be here. I was just lost, and I didn't know where to go. When I heard that story and I heard his voice this, this week, I immediately thought of a woman. Uh, there's a woman in the Bible uh, in John chapter 4, and you can flip there if you'd like. It's a woman in a, in a little town called Samaria. And Jesus, with his disciples, just starting off this ministry, he goes to this town almost like he's on a mission for one person. Almost like he went there divinely appointed to, to meet with this one person. And he encounters this woman, and she's at this well in the town. And the disciples go off to the middle of town to, to get some food because they're hungry from the journey. And he begins to spark a conversation. This woman was alone there, and she's drawing water from the well. And Jesus sparks the conversation with just a question. Can I have something to drink? 
Can I have something to drink? And her response is, 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 it feels like this. Do you know who I am? First of all, I'm a woman. You don't talk to women. Guy, that's just not a part of culture then. I'm a Samaritan. Samaritan Jews, we just don't like each other. You know, I'm here all alone at this time of day for a reason. Nobody wants to talk to me. I'm here when the rest of the ladies, they come in a different time. I'm here by myself. People don't talk to me. They talk about me. I hear the whispers. And here Jesus is starting a conversation with this woman. Can I have, can I have something to drink? Can I have something to drink? Do you remember that commercial a few uh, years ago now? It's the one they're playing football. And it's a Snickers commercial. I think it was during the Super Bowl. And suddenly, Betty White is playing football. Betty White is, is in the commercial. She's playing football. She gets hit. They go back to the huddle. And what is the line? You are just not yourself if you don't have a Snickers. So the guy, she eats the Snickers and suddenly becomes, and there's this, this, tra- this train of commercials that have come from that. You are just not yourself if you don't have a Snickers. You're just not complete unless you have blank. What would you put into that blank? Now, a uh, Nazarene uh, pastor, theologian, Scott Daniels, he calls this, this uh, dilemma kind of the, the, the mythology of completion, that if we just have blank, that it will complete us. If we'll just have and then whatever maybe comes to mind is the driving force maybe in your life. There is uh, some marriage counselors, Les and Leslie Perot, and they talk about, or Parrot, they talk about uh, family counseling and about how in marriage there is a movie that you should not watch. And maybe you've seen it, and, and, and it, it, the content is, is certainly not one we'd recommend, but there's a movie for couples you should not watch. It's the movie, maybe you've seen it already, Jerry Maguire. You remember that movie? It's a scene about the sports agent. It's the back-and-forth relationship between the, the, the two main characters, Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger. And at the very end of the movie, what is the famous line? They're in the living room. The music is playing. You, you complete me. You complete me. And then, like, the, the, you're probably cried in the th- ladies, it's okay. Maybe, guys, it's okay as well. You shed a tear there. You get out of the theater. Your wife or your girlfriend turns to you and says, well, do you complete me? And you go, mm, maybe. Uh, and then you get slugged in the arm. Uh, but what, what Les and Leslie, uh, Parrot, they, they tell us is this. Is that this is the Jerry Maguire syndrome. And, and they say this, if you believe that somebody else can complete you, you're setting yourself up for serious heartbreak. People think that this person is going to complete me, but the truth is that nobody on this planet can do that. No one can do that. If you expect in a relationship someone to complete you, it's not going to happen. If I only was with this person, I was only married, then, but guess what happens? That all takes place, and then the, 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 the emptiness is still there. The lack of completion in, in life is, is still there. Maybe it's, it's not a relationship It certainly seems that way for this woman because Jesus kind of talks to her and begins to find out her story and reveals to her that he knows her story and says, I know you. I know that you've been 
you've been married five times, and the person that you're with now, it's not your husband. You've been seeking completion. You've been filling that blank with a relationship, and it does not fill you. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something sensory. Uh, I, if, if you could tell me today we would go to one place for lunch, I would choose, and I've only been there twice, but both times, amazing. Taste of Texas. Uh, I've only gone because someone has paid the bill uh, for me, and I am, have no shame in admitting that. Uh, the first time, uh, I made a huge mistake. I was sucked in by this beautiful salad bar. If you've been there, it's an amazing salad bar. And you just think, oh, I'll, I'll just keep piling that on. And, and there's breads that are in like a warmer that you just pick with a little, just pile that in. And by the time you get to this succulent steak that melts in your mouth, you're so full of the salad. I did not make that mistake the second time, all right? I was very calculated in the way that I ate and saved plenty of room for this amazing, amazing uh, steak. And both times I went home just, I mean, as full as you can possibly, I maxed out uh, my taste buds, okay? But guess what happened uh, uh, about six to eight hours later? I was hungry again. <laughs> and this time it was like honey bunches of oats. Uh, because cause what happens? We're still hungry, aren't we? We try to fill our lives with things that, that bring pleasure, but, but, but they only last for a little bit. And no matter what that high is, it wears off because it's not meant to complete us. And maybe you think it's stuff. If I just had stuff, more stuff, if I had that person's stuff, then I would be happy. If I had that person's car, man, I would be happy. Er. And I would be complete. If I had a house, oh, with this yard or with this living room or with this kitchen, oh, then my life would be complete, right? But you get that thing and you realize that you're not. That you're not. Maybe you're an achiever. If I just get this position in the company or this job or this whatever, in sports, in school, just the next level to the next level to the next level in the company or the next salary or the next zero behind my salary, then, 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 and you find out that it won't. I, I hear more and more just in, in, in talk uh, from people in, in my kind of age group that if I just had, if I just had a child, if I just had a child or another child, that, that would complete my life. And children, hear me, folks are a blessing from God. They will bankrupt you, uh, but they are a blessing from God. But they were not made to complete us. Okay? Michael Phelps, you can hear that almost in his words. I had it all, but I was still, I still was empty. So what does Jesus say to this woman? He says, if you only knew if you only knew who you were talking to, you would know that I know you, that I have seen every moment of your life, even the moments you've been trying to hide from everyone. I know about this and that. I know it all, and I love you. I have made you. I have created you, and I have something for you that will fill your heart and your life, and it will give you peace and joy and purpose, and it could heal 
the brokenness that's there. He says it this way, John 4, 13 through 14. He replied, anyone who drinks this water that, that you have out of this well, these things that you're putting in the blank, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So what's her response? She puts her faith in Jesus. Her response to God's love, Jesus' love, and then she puts her trust in Jesus. And not only her, but an entire town comes to follow Jesus. So Michael Phelps, you, maybe you've seen this this week, I, and I just was encouraged when I saw this part of the story. So what's, what's in those pages? Have you ever read that book before? If you're new to faith, I just, that's a good book to start with, uh, along with Scripture, because what is throughout that book by Rick Warren is Scripture. I mean, it's Scripture after Scripture after Scripture on nearly every paragraph. And, and, and some of the headlines of it are, are, are this. You're not an accident. You were made for God's glory. You were born with a purpose. You were, you were made by God and for God, for his glory. And so I don't know the rest of that story, but I hope, my hope for him is the hope that we have for every person in this room, for every person in our community, in our world, that something would, a light bulb, if you will, and that's why we have light bulbs around us, that a, an epiphany would happen, a moment that there would be a realization that God created you, that God loves you. And if you would begin to realize that love, something will happen in you. There's a, a, a passive scripture that's kind of a, a theme verse for us as a church, and I'm going to put it on the screen. It's Ephesians 3, 16 through 20. And you've probably heard me reference this a dozen times in the last couple of years. And my challenge to you in the next few weeks is, is, is pretty simple. Learn these four verses. Memorize them. I know what you're saying. What? There's no way I can learn four verses. You remember the, the conversation we had about uh, lyrics? How many lyrics of songs do you know that you could just quote? Maybe we should replace some of that memory space with God's word. So this is our prayer. This is our hope as a church. So as I read it, I want you to just read it with your lips and in your mind and begin to even the process now of memorizing it. I pray, this is Paul's words to the church in Ephesus, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots, they will grow down deep. Where are they going to grow? Into God's love. And it will keep you strong. When your roots grow deep into God's love, the things of this world, the things that would cause despair will not push you over but because you are strong in God's love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. I love this part. Though it is too great to fully understand. You can't even wrap your mind around this but hopefully you'll, you'll get a piece of it. Then you will be made, what? Complete. Complete. This is what completes us. When Christ makes his home in our hearts and our lives are turned to him, 
And then you have what? Fullness of life. You want a full life? You want a life full of meaning and purpose? This is where it's found, and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think, and in the NIV it says, or even imagine. He wants to do more than you can think or ask or imagine in your, in your life, and that's where we get that phrase, reimagine life. Begin to see life through the eyes of Christ and what he has for you. That is our hope. That's our desire that people would put their faith and their trust and their hope and that Christ would make his home in their heart. Is that your hope? Is that your prayer for yourself and for others? I hope it is. And if it is, begin this process. Memorize this scripture and begin to hope and pray that for other people. And so in the middle of that, we're going to talk each week about a a different core values that we have. And this week, it's pretty obvious, it's, it's respond to God's love. Maybe you've passed this, I don't know, two dozen times in the, in the lobby. You've seen that, and like, oh, that's kind of cool. We, we tried to make the abstract come alive a little bit and put skin and bone on what this looks like. And a picture that, uh, that we'll throw on the screen, and this is the small version you'll, you'll see in the hallways, is, is this one. How do you respond to God's love? We begin to think, how, what does that look like? What does that look like in real life? I think the way that we respond to God's love is you put your faith in Jesus. You put your trust in him. You follow him. And then there's this image that we had from a few weeks ago where we did something crazy. Occasionally we do that. We turn, remember when we turned the whole service toward the, the middle and there was this campfire in the middle? And, and we basically challenged everyone with this. Turn your hearts and your lives and everything toward God and toward his spirit and his activity in your life. Do we, do we have that picture uh, from, from a couple weeks ago? This one, bam, there we go. And I love just happen to catch in the background the, the phrase of this song that we sing, you make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of the dust, you make beautiful things out of us. And so from that, what we were encouraging, inspiring us to do is to respond by, by worshiping, and not just on Sunday morning, that we take our entire lives and give it as an act of worship. Paul says it this way. This is the message version in, in Romans 12. Uh, it says it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention onto God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Fix your heart toward God. Turn your gaze toward God. Your work, give it, do it for the glory of God. The way that you, you play sports you do it for the glory of God. The way that you lead your family, do it all for the glory of God. That is what God is calling you. That's the proper response to God's love and his transformation in our lives. So to do that, to turn it toward God, maybe there's some things that you need to turn your attention away from. Maybe there's some things that you've kind of put in that blank and said, my, my focus is here. If I just have this or if I just have that, in striving that direction, 
instead of the, the, the glory of God. So what's the result of that? Remember that Isaiah uh, 61 passage, that, the last verse, it says this. What God does is in us and through us is he begins to transform us. When we turn our attention toward him, when we live this life of worship toward him, in their righteousness, this is after the, 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 the few verses about transformation, they will be, begin to look like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. So there's this picture. Have you ever been to Savannah, Georgia, by the way? When I think of great oaks, I think of Savannah, Georgia. There's scenes that look like this, okay? And I don't know what, when you think of an oak, what you think of. I think of majestic, the words come to mind. Strong. I think of, there's just this immovable object. And it all kind of, you, you look at them, you almost stop. And it's one of those nature God moments that you see the glory of God even shining through. And so what Jesus is saying through this passage is this. You know what I see in you? I see oaks of righteousness. Maybe you're saying, I don't really see that in me. I don't really see that. There's a line in this movie uh, that I quote a lot. Uh, it's a movie called Tombstone. And uh, it's a guy, uh, his name is uh, Doc Holliday. He turns to his buddy Wyatt and he says this, Wyatt, you're an oak. I want you to turn to your friend and I want you to say their name and say, you are an oak in your best. So, as you look around uh, HFC, maybe, just maybe, if you're paying attention, every now and again, you see this little image here. And maybe you saw it in the lobby. What is that little circle thing? It's an oak. And what God sees in us and desires for us is what we want for each other. That we would be oaks of righteousness, praising God, giving glory to God in all that we do, that our roots would be deep in God's love, that the, the culture around us, the things around us, they would not sway us, they would not move us, because we know who we are, and we know that this place, it is not our home. In the years that we live on this earth, May they be many, but they are not it, because we have an eternal home in a place that is far greater, where there are no more tears and there is no more despair. May we turn our hearts toward him. May we take everything that we do and live it out for the glory of God. May that, that blank that we have, if only I had this, that would disappear and that the the desire, the mission of our hearts would be the mission of God. And that's what we're going to be looking at. God, what do you want us to be? What is your mission in the world? And, and you look around these different things. This is what God has called us to be in the world. And when we go chasing after him and putting him at the center of our lives, then we'll be complete. 
then we'll remember and know who we are and who we're called to be in this place. Would you pray with me? God, you are good. You are great. You are the giver of life. You are the one that transforms lives. You're the one that takes the broken. You're the one that takes the sin-filled. You're the one that's taken my dark heart and because of your light, because of your love, because of the cross, that the greatest demonstration of love this earth has ever seen, we can be redeemed. We can be forgiven. We can have life with you and we can have fulfillment and purpose and a hope no matter what the world throws our way. God, I pray that we would live our lives for your glory Lord, not for our name's sake, but for yours, that everything we do would point to you, giving honor to you. Lord, help us to remember, help us to remember, Lord, to give you praise, Lord, to recognize you in all that we do, Lord. Lord, we thank you for these things and lift up your name. Amen. Would you join us and sing?